continue on uh, in our, this is actually, um, less, is, it says it's lesson two in the book. This is actually the third lesson in our series on who's to blame. Last week we talked about blaming uh, family. Uh, the, the, the lesson before that we talked about how that Jesus took our blame. And so today we're going to talk about uh, blaming the church. And so if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with us for just a moment or follow along on the screen. We'll read Deuteronomy 4, verses 21 and 22. This is Moses speaking to Israel. And Moses said, Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sake and swear that I should not go over Jordan and that I should not go in unto that good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but you shall go over and possess that good land. So today is remembering that because Jesus took our blame, we must then assume responsibility. And that's a big, big thing today that people need to assume responsibility for their actions instead of putting it off on somebody else. So we must assume responsibility for our own choices and then refuse to blame the church for our disappointments. Let's lift our hands and pray. Lord, we love you today and thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the church, God. We thank you for the body. that You're building this church, Lord, and we believe it today. Help us, God, to be more like you, to follow your word, to do the things we should. Let us hear what you're saying to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Uh, so one thing that we've talked about in our lessons is that for every action, there is a reaction. And oftentimes, no action is the best response. Because even taking no action is an action. And oftentimes that, you know, the Bible says where there is no wood, the fire goes out. But some people, man, have got a lifetime supply of drama firewood. Always stoking it. Always putting another log on the fire. But we realize that when we just don't put any fuel, it goes out. Some fires burn longer than others. But eventually they all go out without fuel. It doesn't matter how big I've built bonfires in my backyard. Man, satellites could see. But you know what? The next day, gone. It just goes out because we quit putting wood on the fire. And it's the same way in, in our lives a lot of times is that there are things that happen that uh, try to pull us in want to pull us in, won't, it, you know, there's a lot of people who love to give their two cents, there's a, also uh, a lot of things that happen that's trying to get your two cents, because it knows if it can get your two cents, it'll just feed the fire, and it'll keep things going, and, uh, you know, I believe, and I told this to somebody this morning, I said, I believe that God gave us the ability, I didn't say it'd be easy, but I, I do believe this. I know that there are people have different personalities in this world. And I said, you know, when God gave all those commandments to Moses and all those millions of people he was going to be leading, 
I said, don't you know that he knew within that huge number of people, 12 different tribes, that there were so many different personalities? I said, but he gave them the word so that they could all exist together if they apply the word to their life and don't let their personalities or their feelings override the word. That's just it. If you live by the word, it's a lot easier to be peaceable with people if you're living by the word because you have an answer. Often you have a fire extinguisher that'll just quench the flames of drama. But whenever we decide to let our personality rule and then we try to sprinkle our personalities with a little bit of the word, the word's not garnishment for your life. We live, it's the main course. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And there are scriptures for every part of life. And so uh, remember that with every action, there doesn't have to be a reaction. But I will tell you this, that every reaction is a choice, not forced. Well, I was forced, mm-mm, don't even say it, because you wasn't. We were never forced. If whatever we chose, we chose. And so uh, God gave us free will. And we are not emotionless. That, so I know that as humans that we have to work on these things because we are not uh, computers. We are not robots. We are not uh, people without feelings. And feelings can get the best of us. But uh, we must learn to start assuming the responsibility for what we have chose. That's one I saw somebody post not too long ago. Maybe it was me. I can't remember. But you are free to choose. But you are not free from the, the consequences that come with your choices. You must own up to that. And so when uh, we read this scripture here, we see Moses, great leader, I mean, I guess you could argue that probably as leaders go, he was, was as great as any leader you'll find in Scripture. He was a great man. And uh, he had to lead God's people. And, and we read about him in the Hebrews in the book of the chapters of faith, how Moses was, uh, he chose to suffer. You know, we, we read about him and think, man, what a great man. He chose to suffer with the people rather than, be, a, be under the king of Egypt and he was just going to lead God's people and be a great man of God but, but see he has things to deal with just like anybody else don't, don't ever think that, that leadership is without their own set of turmoil and things to deal with when you read about Paul in the scripture he said you know I've been shipwrecked, beat, this, that, the other. All these things have gone on in my life. And we think, wow, man, he went through a lot. And then he gets to the bottom. He says, and besides all this, the care of all the churches. He's like, in other words, I've got to remember all I have endured and still take care of the church. And see, a lot of times people don't realize that well, all a pastor does is just get up and preach every week. He don't have, really have nothing to go through or deal with. But you don't know the times that he's been stoned and left for dead. When he's been whipped by his own people. We don't realize the times that he's been left for dead. That he's been felt shipwrecked. And like he's just been drifting in the sea for two or three nights. You know, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Am I going to be rescued this time or not? And then still get up 
and preach and encourage and pray and lift others up. That's because that's his calling. So as we talked about in our other lessons, and it's good to mention it at the beginning of this, that whenever we begin to blame people for what we have done, we lose our ability. It takes power away from us. Whenever we say, I did it because of, well, now we have no ability or power to change it because we've relinquished any hold on it. No, it's not my responsibility. They made me do it. So I have no power now to change it, and I can't make a positive step uh, in the right direction. And when we choose to hold on to things from our past or from yesterdays and years gone by, then uh, we also lose our ability to move forward. We hold on to things that, yeah, things happen. We've all survived some form or another church hurt. Uh, and church hurt is so rough sometimes because we're so connected in our churches. And we, we're we very intimate with the people. You, you pray with them. You shout with them. You rejoice with them. You weep with them. You're at their weddings. You're at their funerals. You're at their dedications. You become family. And so that's why... Uh, Oftentimes when people, something happens in a church, it, it, it wounds them, and it is very real. But as much as it hurts, and it's real, and it's bad, there should never be anything that we blame happening in the church for us leaving the church. Yeah, because if, we could, if this is going to work in every other arena, if you can't blame, you know, well, I, you know, I'll, well, I'll never vote again because that guy that I voted for didn't do what he said he would do. He's just one guy. The next guy might be right on. Don't let somebody have that kind of power in your life that because of something they do, it can cause you to not do what's right. Yeah, you should never uh, give somebody so much power over you, and they don't even realize it, that they've got it. They're just sucking that power out of you because you give it to them. That if they, if they mess up, then it's going to kill me too. Wow. If they, if they don't do this, then I'm just going to be miserable the rest of my life. Why give somebody that kind of influence or power in your life? It's, it's not biblical, number one. And, and it's, it, you'll never be who you're supposed to be by letting people just, you, you know, you give it to them. People just delegate that kind of power. Well, if... You know, if my boss doesn't recognize what I've done, I'm just not going to do a good job anymore. Well, why? You know, why? He's just one boss. You know, I've had bosses that I didn't like. I've had bosses that I was like, man, that was a great person, and they really made you glad to be there. You know, it happens in relationships. Well, uh, that guy just treated me so bad, so now every other guy that comes along, he gets hit with all the things that this cat did. Well, and so they, the next guy doesn't even have a chance. Or the next girl. They don't have a chance because you've already made up your mind. This is how every guy or every girl is. This is how they're going to do. This is how they're going to be. And, and so you can't even move forward in a positive manner because you're blaming somebody else for your past hurts. And, and it's just blaming is just not, blaming is not biblical. It happens in the Bible, but it's not biblical. And this is what we find here. Um, well, let me say, you can't blame the church 
and then at the same time be the church. Because when you blame the church, you're blaming part of the body. That you, it's like, I just burnt my hand, and I'm just going to blame my hand for that. That's part of my body. The mind said, hey, reach over and touch that, no matter how stupid that seems. It was the body. I can't, you know, say this, well, my hand's just not being part of the body. And I can't, when someone messes up or makes a mistake or says something or does something that, that hurts me in the church or that I don't agree with in the church, or I can't just blame and say, well, that's it. Every church member is just like that. Every preacher is just like that. Every pastor is just like that. Every teacher is just like that. That's not fair to blame, to put that label on the whole body. And, hey, uh, if I do something like that and burn my hand, I'm not going to chop my hand off, so I won't ever burn this hand again. But, okay, yeah, you're right, you won't, but you'll never, ever pick anything up with that arm again either. I, or I don't want an artificial uh, limb. I want, I want what God gave me. I want the body. And so yeah, I guess it's easy for people to just blame the church or blame other Christians is because we end up putting church people on a pedestal that they do not belong on. We act like once we're born again that we no longer have flesh to deal with. Hmm? We act like, well, he's the pastor. He should never make a single mistake in his life. He should never get angry at all. He should never uh, be sad at all. He should never get frustrated at all. Or we act like, well, we're born again. We've got God's spirit in us. We should never make another single mistake ever. And if they do, they didn't really have nothing. Whew. Well, that's a heavy load to carry, putting people on pedestals like that. But that's why it's so easy. And that's why the world blames the church. Oh, you see them Christians always talking about how perfect they are, but then you see them. That's why when one of these big famous TV preachers messes up, boy, they don't they jump on it because they want to broadcast it. This is what Christianity is. It's people who take money or hire prostitutes or do something crazy. And that's what Christians really are. They they put on a good face on Sunday, but this is who they really are behind closed doors. And and maybe people have made those mistakes. And I know that, that a lot of those big preachers that people followed and sent money to and did things when they messed up, it caused people to say, well, that's it. I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I ain't have nothing. How unfair to blame the Lord and to blame the church for something that somebody who still has fallible flesh to deal with. The Bible tells us that we don't throw them away but we should look to restore those kind of people. In this story that we started with, Moses, you know, he's already, I don't know how Moses felt about some things. You know, he's raised in Egypt, but comes a time when he decides, I'm going to check my people out, see what's going on with my people. And he finds a, uh, an Egyptian fighting with a Hebrew, and Moses comes up and kills the Egyptian, buries his body in the sand and goes on his ways. And, and I'm sure Moses thinks, well, they understand what I've done. They'll appreciate what I've done. They'll get it. Well, he sees two of his brothers arguing. He says, hey, you shouldn't be doing like this. And they're like, hey, who made you a master and ruler over us? You going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And they blaming him for what he did. And they don't understand why he did what he did. And so Moses just says, you know what? Fine, and he runs and leaves because he's like, I, now that 
they're talking about it. Pharaoh's going to know about it. My life's in danger. I'm getting out of here. So 40 years, Moses just tending sheep in the wilderness till God shows up to say, I'm going to send you back to them. And so Moses is doing his best to go back to a people that had misunderstood him, didn't know that he was God's called and anointed. But, but in this time period, Moses, maybe that put a deep little seed inside of him not to trust his people, I don't know. But we find a place where the people of Israel are thirsty and, of course, they're quick to grumble as soon as anything is not going their way. And they call Moses and Aaron out and they're wearing them out. Did you bring us out here to die? There's no pomegranates. There's no food. There's no figs. There's no water. We're going to die out here. And they're just giving it to Moses and Aaron. And so they go and pray. And God says, here's what you do. Go out and speak to the rock. Water will come out and I'll be sanctified in their eyes. So Moses goes out. And he takes that rod and he says, he starts off addressing them, you rebels. That's how he addressed the people. Well, they were rebellious. But that's not the way you start a conversation. You rebels. And then he says, must we fetch water out of this rock? It wasn't going to be them. It was always going to be God. So instead of doing what did God tell him to do he said speak to the rock Moses hits the rock twice and guess what happened even though he was disobedient water still came out of the rock because God is not going to punish the congregation for the leadership's failure uh, yeah I, I'm saying I'm listening to it that's why you know, the, the congregation if they had known that congregation uh-uh, I'm not drinking that water because God said to speak to that rock and you hit, you hit that rock and I'm not, you made a mistake so I'm just going to, that's it, I'm just going to wander off and die somewhere instead of keep drinking that water. That's why you don't quit church if leadership falls because God's still going to water you. God's still going to take, it, Moses, was, the Bible says Moses, they, not another like him He's, he's, he was fantastic. He was, man, he was standing on, the, on that Mount of Transfiguration talking to Jesus in the New Testament. Moses is okay. But guess what? This great, wonderful, powerful, anointed, called leader got in his feelings, was upset, and he didn't do what God told him to do. And because of that, God said, since you decided to hit the rock, Instead of speak to it. And so that now I'm not. It, it didn't sanctify me in the eyes of the people. Then. You're not going into the promised land. You'll see it. But. You're not going in. And so now. Moses. After this incident. Three different times. He begins to blame. God's people for what's going to happen. In Deuteronomy. Uh, the first chapter. While he's addressing the people about after the spies. And he's talking about how the spies came back with a, uh, this uh, negative report. And you didn't believe God. And he says, the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying you won't go in there. But that didn't have nothing to do with why he wasn't going in. In uh, Deuteronomy 3, 
when he's talking about how God had delivered them from all these kings and won these battles for him. He was rehearsing these stories, and then he says, but the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And even that time, he said, that's enough. Don't talk to me about this anymore. Don't ask me about this anymore, Moses. I've already told you you're not going in. And so this time, we find him addressing Israel one more time, and he says, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sake. It's your fault God's mad at me. No, Moses, it's your fault God's mad at you. Because the real thing is, is that those people didn't hear what God said to do. You heard what God said to do. They, you heard. Aaron also heard it. You guys heard God say, speak to the rock. But you were upset. You were frustrated and sick and tired of grumbling, faithless people. And you went out and hit that rock twice because you were mad. And even though you disobeyed, God said, you know what? I'm still going to take care of my people because they shouldn't suffer because of your disobedience. But guess what? There are consequences to your actions. Moses was still loved by God, still called by God. But there were still consequences for what he did. Moses is responsible for his actions, not the people. Was he frustrated? Sure. Aggravated? Absolutely. Even mad? It must have been. But that's what happens when you get in your feelings that you no longer guide yourself by God's word. If Moses had just went by God's word, he could have still been angry and sinned not. Could have. He could have just went and said, "Mm, boy, I'll tell you what, I'd like to every one of you die of thirst today, but instead I'm going to go obey God and whatever words he was going to say, and water would have come out. And even though he was frustrated, aggravated, at his wits end, just ready to throw his hands up and walk off, he still would have obeyed God, and it would have been faith, and it would have blessed, and everything would have been all right. And Moses would have put his feet in that promised land. But he didn't. And it was nobody else's fault but his. It was not Aaron's fault. It was not Miriam, his sister's fault. It wasn't Joshua's fault or Caleb's fault. It was nobody else's fault. It was simply the consequences of his actions. And, uh, but because they were showing out, that's why I did that. Well, it might be, Moses, that might be why you did it, but that's no excuse for doing it. You see, there's always reasons and excuses. And so there's always, people say, well, that's why. Yeah, but that's not an excuse when God's word said to just speak. I just was so, I just had to take my frustration out. So I, yeah, but God said, speak. You don't take the miracle rod and start beating the rock with it. You don't take what God gave you uh, and, and start using it uh, to take your frustrations out. Because Look at this, Moses, all them people he was upset with. They watering the cows. They getting water to cook with. They drinking water. They just filling up. And you losing out. You have to be careful about blaming the church for your frustrations. And you know, I, I'm amazed, honestly, at the target that the church has on its back 
from the church. People, they're, they're so unafraid to, to bash the church. It's amazing. Hey, the church is made up of people. Fallible flesh. Man, it's a typhoon of emotions and circumstances. And, and so there's always going to be storms and things that happen. But for people to just bash the church. I don't know a man alive that will sit around and let somebody just badmouth his wife. I think I'd be real careful about talking about the Lord's wife, about his bride. I think I'd think twice before I just opened my mouth on his bride and realized that, hey, people are people. Uh, I, I have survived church storms, been through things that broke my heart and watched it. And I watched people that had prayed together for over 40 years cuss each other, fight each other, want to stomp on each other. What happened? Where did that come from? And I, you know, and well, they, you know, they must not really ever had anything. They must not really believe the Lord, or they must have never really got the real thing. Why? Because they're human and made a mistake. Whew. Listen, we what we have to do is realize we need to consider some things so we don't do what Moses did. Number one, we have to get past that layer of feelings because we do have feelings and it's not wrong to have feelings God gave us emotion God gave us feelings and then he gave us his word to help govern and moderate he said let your moderation be known unto all men That's so uh, when you just switch from zero to a hundred like that with your temper or your attitude or that's not what God meant he said uh, be, let your moderation be known to all men be angry, sin not. Somebody slaps you upside the head, give them the other side to slap. You know, pray for them that despitefully use you. He gave us things to deal with uh, what happens to us. You don't have to fight vengeance. His mind saith the Lord, I will repay. God's going to take care of things. And so we have to remember that. Did I say you're going to get that right or I'm going to get that right every time? Absolutely not. We, that's why we can pray. And uh, John wrote, said, I write unto you that you sin not. I don't know that he, he, we think, well, he's just talking about people drinking and cussing and fighting. No, he's talking about people bad-mouthing and, and gossiping and, and being ugly to one another. He's talking about those kind of things. I, I wish you wouldn't do that, but if you do, you can still fix that. And you can find a place to pray and seek God's face and get it better. So what we do is whenever we have these feelings of helplessness, anger, resentment, hurt, uh, feelings that make us want to withdraw or walk away, then we need to... What am I thinking? That's where you want to go. What am I thinking? Because our thoughts have a major impact on our feelings. When, I, when someone that is very close to me does something that hurts my feelings, do I think that all of a sudden after 20 years they don't love me anymore? Nah. But who knows what they went through that day? Who knows what kind of news they got that day? Who knows what they're struggling with and, and what they're fighting. And, and so they figure this is a safe place to take out my frustration. And they take it out on the one they love. People talk about how much they love the church. But it seems like they always take their frustration out on the church. It does. It's true. 
pastor and will show you that. Being in church long enough, you'll see that. People walk away from your church, walk away from serving God altogether. Hey, how come you ain't in church? Well, pastor, he did this, or so-and-so did this, or so-and-so said that. They're just looking for somewhere to take the spotlight off of them because they want to blame others for their actions. And I said this last week. I said, when, when people do that, they want sympathy. They want to act like they're the victim. I said, so when they're doing that, people, if I, when they call you up and all they're trying to do is lay the blame somewhere else, they're just trying to get you to be sympathetic with them and turn your back on your church. So you have to be careful. But as we think in our hearts, so are we. So we have to you know, watch our thoughts. It'll help us. Because changing our feelings is difficult. Because if you're hurt, you're hurt. There's no denying that. That's the truth. I'm not saying we're not hurt. But we can, however, change our thinking and change how we react to the hurt. And instead of laying blame, we can just do what the scripture says and, and things can get better. Changing our thinking is often the first step in changing our feelings. If you can get your thinking right, you can get your feelings right. Another thing we can do, and there's nothing wrong with this, is you call something as it is. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that you respond the wrong way. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul uh, was talking about, he, he called him in one verse, he called him Cephas, talking about Peter, and then talking about they were, how, how they were giants and pillars in the church. And then in about two verses later, he said, I would stood Peter to face because he was to be blamed. He wasn't blaming him for something he'd done. He was saying because Peter was at fault right here because what Peter was doing was he was hanging out with the Gentiles all week and as soon as the Jewish crowd showed up, he, I don't know about them Gentiles, man. And it caused all these other people to follow him and walk away from it. And Paul said, I know he's a pillar in the church, but what he's doing is wrong. And he said, I went and told him that's not how the kingdom works. If you're going to... Uh, be a Jew and not live as a Jew but live like a Gentile don't be trying to get the Gentiles to live like Jews do it right and he said it in front of all them people and he didn't bash Peter he just said this is not right Peter Paul didn't say you know what I really thought he was somebody so that's it I'm done I know God called me but you know what, if, if Peter that preached the message on the day of Pentecost, if he's going to act like this, Peter's got the keys. If he's going to act like this, I wash my hands of it. This must not be real at all. And then deny everything that he'd ever seen. But he didn't do that. He just said, hey, there's some, sometimes there's some correction. <laughs> you know, Peter was used to that. The Lord corrected him many times for, uh, you know, be it far from you. Get behind me, Satan. You know, I mean. Put your sword up, Peter. Quit cutting people's ears off. You know, just Peter was very rash and, and would act out sometimes and quick to speak and slow to think sometimes. But, uh, but you know what? Even that didn't cause the Lord to, to say, I need to find another guy. <laughs> He'll be all right. I'll pray for him that his faith fails not. And so Peter still could do what he was supposed to do. And Paul was all right with Peter. It's just like, but not with what you're doing. That's not right, Peter. 
I'm not going here to pull your card or say you can't preach anymore. Hand me the keys. Nothing like that. Just don't do what you're doing because you're going to cause people. He said people were getting caught up with the way he was doing. Even I think he said Barnabas got caught up in it. And, and Barnabas had been with Paul a lot. So Paul's like, man, this influence that he's got is not right. So you're going to cause people to lose out, Peter, if you're not careful. It's not right. They should be strong enough to know you're doing Somebody else should already stood up on this already. But since they didn't, I'll do it. And so calling it as it is, that don't mean we get to go around checking under everybody's hood. Hello? Oh, don't, don't, yeah, I say, oh, the pastor just gave me free will to just stick my nose in other people's business. Nope. He didn't, and then I'll call you out on it. I'll withstand you to face if I find you doing it because that's not what I'm saying. We're not to be busybodies in other people's affairs or business, but that. And then, like you say, if, if a leader in the church is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, it's not gossiping about them or being meddling to say, hey, you're supposed to be setting an example. You're supposed to be leading people in the church and and. When you're not at church, you're doing this, that, and the other. That's not right. And when you stand back and say, mm, ain't my business, well, you're allowing this to just go on. And then people do end up leaving the church. And so after we, you know, do these kind of things, uh, we need to start thinking, what can I do about what has happened? How can I impact this or affect this? What can I do? Because I can't change other people. I cannot change anybody. This, and you can't change people. But I can. This is what I can do for me because I am responsible for me. If I mess up and you quit God, that's on you. That's not my fault. So well, you're the reason. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Nope. You got the same Holy Ghost I got. You got the same free will I got. You got the ability to make the right decision because the Holy Ghost will never say, that preacher just messed up, you leave God. That saint just messed up, you leave the church. The Holy Ghost never, somebody tells you, the Holy Ghost will never tell you that, never tell you to separate yourself from the body. So we learn from other people's mistakes so we don't repeat them. What we see here is an example. There's a lot of great statements of faith that we learn from Moses, and we can also learn from his mistake that it's not for us to blame the others for something we did wrong. It's not, Moses, it's not the church's fault that you got mad and hit that rock. You just got in your feelings, and there we go. Next, establish healthy boundaries. Learn how to so that you can deal with people that have maybe somebody has wronged you. Then establish some boundaries so you're not always getting hurt or getting wronged every time you turn around. But you don't leave the church. That's not boundary. That's leaving. And you don't turn around and say, everybody in that church is like that. No, they're not. And this person, maybe up to that point, has never been like that. So what was going on in their life that caused this to happen? And then also trust the, the sovereignty of God. And remember that if he sets up kings and takes kings down, and that's what he does, 
you can trust him knowing that all things work together for good to them that love God. God can use every bit of your trial. Somebody posted something today, I think, that said that even let God take your pain and use it because everything that you get or go through, God can shape it to help you out and, and, and make things better for you because all things work together for good. And guess what? Moses, even this banishment from walking into the promised land, Man, that's going. Who knows in his private prayer time how he talked with God and his sorrow that he felt over. Because I, I surely am assured that I just feel that the kind of man Moses was that when him and God was talking, he was like, because God said I talked with him face to face. I'm sure that he said, God, I sure am sorry I hit that rock. I know, I know, I'm not supposed to address this anymore. I'm not going. I'm not asking to go into the promised land now. I'm, I know what my punishment is, but I just want you to know I am sorry for doing that. And and he and he was all right with God at the end. Uh, you know, God buried Moses when Moses died. God took care of him. I'll put him somewhere. And so, uh, don't think that Moses was written off because of his mistake. He wasn't. And so, let's make sure that we learn uh, from these things. Uh, work on ourselves, that means work on our wrongful reactions to those who hurt us. We need to focus on ourselves. What can I do to be better? How can I learn to react better and uh, not just fly off and just, how can I just be better, Lord? Because the fact is that even in this beautiful, wonderful church that Jesus said, I am building, he said, it's so powerful that the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Even in that church, it is full of imperfect people because there are no perfect people. And sorry to bust your bubble if you're in here today with your big blue ribbon of perfectness on your chest. Anybody can get them at Party City. They don't, they don't, that's, it, ain't, it, it ain't no good because we're not. We're not. And don't, and don't pin one on me. Don't go around telling people, hey, my pastor is perfect. Don't put that on me. I don't want to have to carry that because I know that I, hey, to where I've attained, I'm, I'm doing everything to hold on. I'm still striving. I'm still reaching forward. I'm still working to be better every day. Yeah, your pastor's got to get better too. And so don't ever put those kind of, I, I mentioned that last week, don't ever put that kind of pressure on any person at all. Especially on any church person, like, oh, you got the Holy Ghost now. You need, yeah, we should hold ourselves to a higher standard and strive to reach it. But will we come short sometimes? Sure, we will. Because this old mind, you, you're laying in bed at night, just go to sleep and quit thinking. Because if you lay in that bed too long thinking, you'll wake up mad and, or frustrated or depressed. Get out of your head. Get out of your emotions. Get out of those things and get in prayer and talk to God and get in his word and say, how can I be better? How can I overcome these things? So I don't just walk around. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't do that. I never do anything wrong. It wasn't me. You don't want to be like that. There are no perfect people. Other people do not always do right. And we're quick to say that's right. And neither do we, you know, if, if another pastor's making that statement in another church, that comes to us. Other people don't always do right any more than we will always do right. But that's not a reason to 
poke your lip out, point your finger, blame your church, and then walk away from it and walk away from truth and everything that God's done for you. Just not, just not the way God intended it. At the end of the, here's what we should be doing. Instead of blaming the church, we should accept responsibility for our own actions and then extend grace to everyone else. We talk about needing grace every day. Well, guess what? Everybody needs grace. And not just from the Lord, from us. We should extend the same kind of grace to others that God extends to us. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how a church stays together. Man, if there's anything that is the cement of a church, and I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the body, the congregation. It is how well they extend grace and mercy to one another so nobody ever feels like, well, I, now I'm an outcast. i got to go. We should never make people feel like that. We should never do that. Extend that grace to them so that, that, that they'll realize this is a safe place to be. This is a place I can come and, and, and get fixed and get healed and get better. And so nobody... Is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all failed. We've got failures in our life. And we're not alone in our failures. And uh, Hebrews 11 is not only uh, the chapter of faith. It is the chapter of failures. You, you can find a something wrong with every single one of those people in that chapter. Yeah. You can find out that Abraham lied about his wife. Isaac followed suit, or followed suit, and he lied about his wife. Jacob deceived his father. Rahab was a harlot. Gideon was full of fear. Barak, uh, Barak, he lacked courage. Samson got involved with Delilah. And despite all their failures, they're highlighted as heroes of faith. This, this is the lesson to learn from that, that God is not limited by our mistakes. He does not overlook them. The Bible says he by no means clears the guilty. He does not overlook them, but neither does he focus on them. He is always looking at who we can become, not at who we are. Our imperfections do not cause him to shun us. He doesn't. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loved us when we were yet sinners. Scripture. And because he loves us, he came to make us good. And still, every time we get in his presence, I'm just trying to make you better. He never said anything to his disciples while they were walking. He was teaching them. Everything he said was to empower them, to encourage them, to help them have faith, help them to be better, help them to become what he wanted to make them, fishers of men. It's the same way with us today. We're never in his presence where God is not ready and willing to work on us to make us better as a church because God's building a church. You know what building a church is? That's constantly, and this work don't stop until he comes and gets us. So he's constantly working on, on uh, the corners. He's working on the halls. He's working on the rooms. He's working on the walls. He's working on all these things, and that's us. So he's constantly working on the material, making sure that it fits right where it's supposed to fit. So we want to make sure that uh, God, uh, that we're not... Uh, turning our back on God and blaming the church and, and because we made a mistake. So, well, I, you know, I wouldn't have ever been there. Man. They just got me so upset and frustrated that I just, you know, I just went out and just hit the town all night because I was just tired of it. But that was your decision. Your money paid for it. You did it. It was you. 
look back at the highlight reel. It was all you. You did that. And while you were doing that, this person was just oblivious and going about their day. I've told people that before. They were so frustrated over some individual, and, man, they were spiraling and just going out of control. And I said, hey, let's, let's look at this person that's got you so upset. I said, you know what they're doing right now? They're living their best life. And I said, and you're here falling to pieces. Why would you give somebody that kind of power in your life? Why? Don't do that. And so while God extends grace to us uh, who so desperately need it, why would we not extend grace to others? Because we can't earn and we surely don't deserve his grace. And if we are so grossly mistaken in this, uh, then we can expect everyone around us to be perfect. We must deal with mistakes honestly and dealing with mistakes honestly does not consist of us blaming other people. We have to do uh, what we've got to do. And I know I'm running short on time, so I'm going to try to jump uh, right here on this, this scripture right here. There's a, a portion of scripture. We, I think we read some of this in one of the other lessons. But um, 2 Corinthians 5, and then 17 through 21, the rest of this chapter. We love verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, all things have become new. That's family. Man, that's it. That's the new birth. That's it. That's life. And that's where some people stop and think, I have no other responsibility in living anymore. God has made me new, uh, and that's it. I don't have to do anything else. But then he goes on to say, and all things are, are of God, and God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And then he didn't leave it there, but he said he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of blame. He said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That means to help bring back to divine favor with God. He gave us, the church, that ability. You know what, what I said earlier about grace and mercy being that cement that holds the church together? He's given us that grace and mercy to extend to others so that, that when we see people in trouble that we can help reconcile them. He gave that ministry to us so the church could stay together. Man, if the church is just biting and devouring and fighting and fussing, man, it's just congregations that just would be breaking up all over the place. But when you see a church that's got people say, man, we've been there 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and all these people are saying that, it, let me tell you, the love of God is in that church. The grace and mercy of God's in that church. And uh, they extend it to one another. They're not just going to, to get it and hoard it, but they're handing it out. Freely we have received, freely give. And so he's given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. God took our blame, uh, and he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Oh, there's a lot of words we, in our minds when we're in our feelings that we want to say. You keep them to yourself. And just remember, if I've got a word to say to my brother or sister, it should be a word of reconciliation. Whatever we're talking about, the end of it should be, I'm trying to get you back to God. I'm not trying to give you my two cents. I'm not trying to set you straight. I'm trying to get you back to God. And then he, he goes as far as to say, since we have this word, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means 
if we go out and represent the Lord to other people. That's who we are. Think about that. We are representatives for Jesus. And it's just as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. We want people, that's it, not blaming. We want to reconcile people for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so that ministry of reconciliation has been delegated out to the church. That grace, you know, the Bible says the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Do you know that its appearance to a lot of people came from another church member? God didn't show up. Drop, he's, he's not dropping down on every single individual's life with a little sign, a little note card that says, hey, here's the grace of God. They wake up, they don't realize there's a God. But then they meet somebody who's been, who has experienced the grace and mercy of God, the love and, the, and understand that Jesus died for their sins and rose from the dead. And they've been baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they meet somebody who is so desperately looking for something. And they begin to tell them about the grace of God. And that's how the gospel gets spread around the world. And that's, that's our job is to, to delegate and to be ambassadors and to tell somebody about the grace of God. Because if he sent us to preach the gospel to every creature, but preaching without grace ain't much preaching. We need to make sure that we are not, uh, we're not called to the ministry of blaming and accusing other people. When you find yourself ready to accuse somebody, especially one of your brothers or sisters, I want you to be real careful before anything comes out of your mouth. And remember that the scripture says that we have an accuser of the brethren already. That job's already filled. I don't want to be employed by him. I don't want to be uh, used by that accuser of the brethren to further his work. But I'd rather take this ministry of reconciliation that I've been given, this word of reconciliation. Uh, you know, Jesus made it plain to one woman. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Or in other words, neither do I accuse you. I don't accuse you. But go your way and sin no more. So I'm not here to accuse people. I know I've got, to, I've got to hurry. Sis, if you'll come on, I'm going to get ready to close right here. Luke 6 and 42, let's put that up real quick. And we'll finish with this. We must be careful with the blame game. The blame game says you are unacceptable because you failed. That statement implies that the one placing blame never fails. But we know we do. The reality is everyone at some point fails. In Luke 6 and 42, the Lord said, Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull the mote that is in thy eye. Let me pull it out. Get that splinter out of your eye. When thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. Cast out the beam out of your own eye first. Get rid of that big, I always think about it like a, like a toothpick and then a railroad tie. You know, get that beam out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly. You know what that beam is in our eye? That's our feelings and our emotions and our hurt. Get all of that stuff out of the way, and then you'll be able to see clearly how you can pull the moat that's in your brother's eye. You'll be able to help your brother or sister get that little splinter. Because I don't care how small a splinter is, get one, and you if it's in your foot, you walk different. 
If it's in your hand, you grab things different. If it's in your eye, you see different. If, wherever it's at, it affects whatever part of the body it's in. And so we can help them get that little splinter out, reconcile, restore our brother, you know, do what we need. We can not blame them, but reconcile them and don't use somebody else's uh, bad behavior as an excuse for us to act out. Put that rod down. Don't strike that rock. You know, the Bible says that rock that followed them and they all drank from it, he said that rock was Christ. Don't take your frustration out on the rock. You know, the first time they drank water from that rock, all he did was he, he did strike it because God told him to strike the rock. The second time he said, just speak to it. But if that rock was Christ, I think about it like this. That Christ has already been struck for our sins to give us that living water. From now on, it's our, it's our responsibility to just speak the word. The word of reconciliation. To speak that word. We, Jesus is not going to be beat again. He's not going to be crucified again. He's not going to be smitten again. He's already been wounded. And now all we have to do is, in his name, speak a word, proclaim, preach the gospel. Words, 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 words to bring people. The Bible says we're born again by the word of God. How, how, can, they, how can people believe in something they've never heard of? Words, words, words. So instead of taking that, you're picking that rod up and hitting that Somebody hurts you in the church, don't, don't, don't smite the rock. No, just use your words. Let's stand together this morning. Let me tell you, one of the greatest, I promise you this, the greatest blessing and privilege that you will ever know, ever, is that God has grafted us in to this vine and, and that by His Spirit we are baptized into this body because this body is his bride. This body is what's leaving this earth one day. And so your job, your house, your car, even, hey, it doesn't matter. Hey, your relationship, whatever it is, there's nothing that compares to being part of this body, to being part of the church. And guess what? Every little local congregation makes up that body. I've never seen anybody's right hand jump over and take places with their left hand. It stays where it's supposed to be. That's why you just don't jump, 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 jump everywhere. You stay where God put you. You stay in the body where God put you. So let's don't use others' actions as a, a reason to run. Stick with your church. Don't blame the church. Let's... Let's lift our hands and pray together. Precious Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for the church. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your life for the church. And God, today I pray that we'll hear what the Spirit is saying. And Lord, we'll learn how to use that word and that ministry of reconciliation. God, that we can encourage others to stay, to stay with the church, to stay with your, your walk, Lord, to, to follow you, to keep going, God. Not to give up, not to throw in the towel, but Lord, we want to see you. When you come back in your glory, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, bless us now and help us to love each other, to extend grace and mercy to one another. 
Lord, we ask you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Thankful to be a part of the church. God's so good to us. Praise the Lord. I know I went a little long, so quickly, if you've got to run, get water, go to the restrooms, come back, find a place to pray. Let's get ready for the move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Trophy to make. 